Hi, everyone. This is Catherine Adams. And Elizabeth Wallace. And you're listening to Binary System Podcast number 374. And this week, we still don't have Laura Olympus. And I have not done the fast pass on that final episode yet. Nope, nope. I'm still waiting. We're under 90 days, not weeks. But <laughs> Seriously. And we still don't have any more um, saga. Nope. And we're not going to have another Night Veil for another week. And so... We had a chance to catch up on some things, and we could have watched some more of the Disney stuff, or the Star Wars stuff, or the Marvel stuff, but no, we didn't do that. We watched a horror movie from last year, because why not? Yes, exactly. We watched the movie Megan, which I had been hearing many good things about, especially from Hannah, who said that the violence in this movie surprised her. And I <laughs> I concur. I also think this movie was nothing like what I was expecting. I mean, I knew no. what the plot was, you know, a... AI that's been implanted in a doll as a companion for a little girl. And of course, as these things tend to do, the doll gets overprotective and starts killing people. However, the tone of this movie was so different from what I was expecting. It really reminded me of a Black Mirror episode. Yeah, yeah, very much so. And it's got like this little touch of humor to it as well. I mean, like, I've never seen any of the child play movies. I never really wanted to, the whole Chucky doll thing and whatever. This is like a child's play version of a movie that that is made for me to enjoy. I don't know why, but I just thought they did such a good job on the character of Megan. Everything they did with the animatronics and with the CGI of her face, I, I really, really was very impressed by it. And they nailed the tone of all of the commercials, because it starts out with this commercial for these eternal pets, I guess. It's a little doll with, you know, really creepy looking teeth that it's that whole marketing as idea is that it's a doll that doesn't die. Yes. <laughs> it's just like, that's a little on the nose, but I think that's actually kind of true. It, it, but I'm sure for a lot of kids having to face the idea that their dog either died or got sent away to a farm to live happily, you know, they would rather not do that. But I mean, anytime commercials came up or news stories or whatever was so spot on with everything mm-hmm. about it, you know, the the graphics, the really forced cheesiness. And then and then there's a scene where Megan is like talking to Katie, the girl that she's paired with, and they're under observation by all these investors. And it hasn't gone the way they had wanted to because Katie is still traumatized by the death of her parents and hasn't really gotten to that emotion yet. But Megan starts talking to her very comfortingly, and then breaks into song. And I'm like, Oh, man, the Disney-esque commercialism on this is perfect. Yeah, that's exactly as soon as she sang that song. I'm like, wow, that is really a Disney song. Right there. <laughs> I mean, the, the tone was amazingly well put. I have to ask, though, so obviously, spoiler warnings for everything that happens in this movie, if you haven't seen it. I will say for the record that I accidentally watched the rated version, and you and Hannah had told me to watch the unrated, because, you know, the violence, the surprising violence, and the rated version is still plenty violent. It's just a lot of the violent scenes, I guess they linger on the gore a bit more, mm-hmm. like the scene with the ear. With the ear, oh with her actually pulling the ear off. You see the skin stretching and tearing as she rips the guy's yes. ear off in slow-mo, and it's kind of satisfying considering what a little bully that kid was. Oh my god, awful. Just awful. So, we'll talk about the things that we like, but I want to bring up a couple things. We might as well jump into the things that I feel like felt like they maybe could have worked a little bit better. Uh-huh. So, one of the things is you've got Gemma, 
who uh, she is the programmer and she's working for the company that makes these little eternal pets and everything. And she really has this side project where she wants to create Megan, but her boss is just like, it's too expensive. I need you to create me one of these ever pets that doesn't cost so much because we've had knockoffs coming up that parents are actually buying because they're shittier products, but they don't cost as much. And so people are cool with that. So get me a cheaper version of this. So he's furious that she spent so much time on Megan and it will be too expensive and he makes her put it away. And then she has one conversation with her niece who talks about, you know, someone who will always be there for me and will never go away and everything. And she instantly changes her mind and starts working on Megan again. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, even though your boss like basically threatened to fire you if you didn't and everything, she sends him a message and says, we're going to need to push that meeting back. I'm like, oh, was that an option? I thought there wasn't. There was like a hard deadline. on, And she is working on the face for Megan, which was one of the really expensive things about it that they had just gotten in, a really, really very moldable face that blew up in the initial test. And then she's got another one in there. I was like, did she buy another one? I mean, did her boss like threaten her with all these things? And then all of that was just like not addressed. I don't because like I said, the story is going to be slightly different in the rated version. So I wasn't sure if that worked better in the unrated version. No, it it was exactly the same. I actually looked at a comparison between the rated and the unrated and the rated version is actually, uh, it's a few minutes longer than the unrated version. I don't know how that worked out. It's just, I think the only differences are the violence, couple scenes of violence, and um, I think Megan's might swear a little bit more. Like I at one point when, when she's got, you know, uh, Gemma down on the table and Katie's in the background and she looks down at her and she says, if she comes in this room, I will tear off your fucking neck. And I don't know if that was in the rated version or not, that line. It was definitely, the threat was there, but I don't think the profanity was there for that Okay, one, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, All right. God, yeah, that that did kind of like the whole time she's working on Megan after her boss said not to. And I was just kind of like, like cringing, waiting for her to get fired. So it was a real relief when they did the whole presentation and her boss was incredibly thrilled. I was like, oh, thank goodness, because I was worried about that the whole time. You guys just spent a lot of money without permission. And now you're spending more money without permission to work on a project he told you not to work on. And the stuff that you're supposed to have ready is not going to be ready. I don't know. Maybe we're just the kind of employees that could never operate like that. Uh, Yeah. It's also like he didn't seem like the type of guy to give empty threats. Like he seemed like a guy who would be perfectly happy to fire everybody. And so they had hung so much on that hard deadline of you need to get me that cheaper version of the ever pet by this Friday. And it was even like circled on the calendar and everything. And then there was like a message. Yeah, I'm gonna have to push that meeting back. I'm like, Oh, okay. I wonder how he took that and how she got away with that. So I don't Yeah, Uh, I don't know. It's a very minor point. But it did sort of bug me when I was watching. And I'm like, hang on, wait a minute. I think one of the reasons why that didn't take me too much out of the story was that Gemma was so laser focused on this because she had found a solution to the fact that she was now responsible for a young child who was traumatized by the deaths of her parents. And they made it so clear that Gemma was completely incapable of handling this particular task because she didn't want Katie to play with her action figures. Um, She didn't want to limit her screen time, probably because the longer Katie stayed working on a screen would mean less time that Gemma would actually have to interact with her. Obviously the social worker was completely unimpressed with her, but 
I mean, and she also felt bad about that, about the fact that, you know, I'm not equipped to handle this. And then she realizes, Megan, Megan can solve all of this. So I think that was why they just kind of drove forward on that. Like, let's just forget all the boss's threats. Let's just go with this. Sure. And that was the other other minor. I mean, I don't want to say I'm nitpicking things, but I do like talking about this. One of the things her boss had said was, I need something that's cheaper because the competition's going to make something that's cheap and undersell us. And then they come in with Megan, and he's totally fine when they say that Megan will cost less than a Tesla. I'm like, <laughs> oh, wow, you sure went in the opposite direction from what he was asking for. I immediately thought he was going to be like, what a Tesla? No, he was totally fine with that. So I'm like, okay, that's fine. It's just setting up that characterization and then just kind of swinging away from it is a little jarring, but yeah, it's fine. So did did you get a jump scare out of the initial deaths of Katie's parents? Oh, I mean, yeah, I knew something was going to happen. That's something I'll address. There are a couple elements that were a little on the predictable side. But this movie is supposed to be kind of quirky and funny. And a lot of horror movies follow the same beats. So I know the entire drive, I was like, oh, wow, those parents be dead. They'd wow. be dead. They'd be so dead. I got a little bit of a jump because I was expecting... I was honestly expecting the great big snowplow that was going to crash in their car was going to come from behind them. I wasn't expecting them to get head-on collision with them. Yes, I was thinking on the side, yeah, but that's kind of like out of that one House MD episode. Yeah, yeah. Oh, boy. Oh, that's a great moment there. Oh, my God. But yes, I did get a good jump scare. That was fun. I, I love me some jump scares. Now, speaking of predictable beats, I do want to say, once again, you guys, spoiler warnings. So one of the ways she gets the idea, Gemma gets the idea of how to help her niece, is when she fires up that old robot project of hers. Mm -hmm. What was its name? Like Bruce or something? Uh, Yeah, something like that. Something like that. And the second she has those gloves on and knocks them together in order to start it up, I'm like, oh, that's going to be important later on. And I was right. I was right. It was also very satisfying to have Bruce coming in and save the day. Yeah, to be honest, I thought Gemma was going to be the one wearing the gloves. I did not expect the niece was going to be wearing the gloves. So that was fun. Yeah, the very ending when the two of them are smiling as the police cars are finally coming in and they've managed to suspend Batch, Megan. I guess if they had wanted to be like really silly about it, they could have had Gemma just smiling and saying, I'm going to be paying for your therapy sessions until college, aren't I? And Katie would say, probably. Yes, that would have been fun. Also, you know, when they smile previous to that, because they're like, yay, we destroyed Megan and everything. And then she comes crawling over the bookshelf. I'm like, well, yeah, we definitely saw that. We, we saw that coming. Do you, do you remember that anime? I can't even remember what it was called. It was... The storyline was a boy and a girl had been arranged to be married, but when the boy got older and went to college, he just kind of like fell in love with somebody else. And it turned out the girl that he'd been arranged to be married with was a demon. Wow. No. Yeah. And there was just all of this. And it was the usual monster tropes where she's coming for him. They stop her. They think they've saved the day. She comes after them again and like a whole horrifying and everything. And then one of the final images when they managed to dispatch her is you just see this like ghostly image of this little girl that she used to be like laughing and dancing in the flower petals. And we were watching this with Nathan and just Nathan just very calmly, let's burn the park down just to be sure. (laughs) (laughs) I remember him saying that, but I have no memory of the anime, but I remember the beautiful petals falling down. I'm like, yeah, no. (laughs) Okay, so back to the things that I liked. You even pointed that out, that her voice is really good. Yeah, and I was so happy with myself because I said in a message 
that it's not the same actress who did the voice of the insane computer from the Portal games, mm. but they've done, it sounds like they've done the exact same kind of distortion to her voice, especially when she's glitching. And I thought that was a perfect choice. And then I looked at IMDb and yes, it's GLaDOS from Portal. That was, they said that was the same effect that they put on the voice. Yay. I don't know if they had inside information from someone who worked on that or if it was just obvious enough that I could tell. But oh, yeah, yeah, I thought that was cool. Yeah, anytime that. I I love that voice effect. That was really neat. And it also made so many moments in the movie really creepy. Like when she's going after the bully and she says something like, what does she say? Now is the point when you should probably run? Yeah, yeah. This is the point where you run, I think. (laughs) Yeah, just the the evil things coming out of that sweet, innocent looking doll. Although she never really did look entirely innocent because there was a real uncanny valley going on and they worked that as hard as they could. Like, when Megan is starting to take on more and more tasks in dealing with uh, Katie and shutting Gemma out, she had been reminding Katie to use a coaster. Well, Katie's starting to get a little snippy, and she puts her cup down, and there's no coaster. And you can see Megan just kind of looking up at Gemma, and she doesn't say anything, she doesn't move, but she's just smiling and staring at her. And I thought that was really effective. (laughs) One thing that I thought was going to happen, because... Gemma's doing this like presentation because her boss loves Megan and they're going to go forward with a whole huge corporate big blowout, whatever. And she's preparing the presentation and she's got this little narrative and she's really explaining how the Megan doll will be able to take over parenting from parents because that's how she sees it. And there's all these scenes of Megan reminding her niece to do all those things. She's that thing that Gemma says is like, part of all parenting is reminding kids to do the same thing over and over and over. And Megan would do that without getting irritated. And you've got Megan reminding the niece to flush the toilet. And then like a couple scenes later, you know, the niece is leaving the toilet and Megan's like, seriously, you need to flush the toilet. And I was like, oh, maybe Megan is going to get irritated with Katie. Nope, she never did. Nope. That was not. I, that was a red herring for me. I, I was like, oh, she's going to get... No, she was always on Katie's side up until the very end. Up until the very end when they had the great big battle and Katie takes Gemma's side. Mm-hmm. But I, I think one of my favorite parts of the whole movie was the confrontation between Megan and Gemma in Gemma's living room when Megan mm-hmm. was playing the piano and... Gemma was talking about, I just, I didn't give you enough, like, program your algorithm correctly or something. And Megan just slams her hands down on the piano keys and says, really? That's where we're at? Oh, man. (laughs) I wondered if, because she was talking about you and I used to stay up till late at night talking about Janis Joplin. What was that in a reference to? I felt it was like, because I think she pulled some of the original programming from Bruce or whatever it was. I mean, also, there had been some programming that had been happening, like when the boss came in and found out what they were doing and saw their prototype, which went really terribly glitchy bad very fast and the head exploded. That was very fun. To question, <laughs> but I assumed it was either talking about her original programming with the Bruce robot, or it was talking about the programming that she had done before the boss had shut the project down. Yeah, that might have been it. But that was a good mm-hmm. scene, especially when... Um, so Katie hears what's going on, sort of, and she calls into them. And Megan is obviously telling Gemma she's going to die if Katie walks in. So they're both trying to be so soothing 
But, you know, at one point, Gemma tries to struggle away and Megan slams her back down. And Katie says, it sounds like you guys are fighting. And both Megan and Gemma at the same time, we're not fighting. (laughs) God, that fight got really brutal. I mean, she gets some lawn equipment out at one point. Oh, boy. Oh, also, I guess we probably should say as a trigger warning, if you wanted to check does the dog die dot com. You don't see the dog die, but you can be pretty sure the dog's dead, unless the unrated version actually showed the dog dying. No, it doesn't. It sees the dog being snatched out through the hole in the fence, but that's it. Yeah, Yeah, but you're pretty sure the dog's dead. That was something... Having having a roving dog like that is dangerous is a big bugbear for me. I don't like that Mm -hmm. whole idea because it doesn't feel like you can actually prepare yourself for it. And it was very realistic to have the friendly neighbor woman who is not being a very good neighbor, but thinks that she is. She thinks that she's totally fine and is everybody else is being uptight. I kind of wish there had been some other way that the dog was getting in other than a hole in the fence on Gemma's property. Right. Because if it had been me and the dog was getting in through a hole in my fence, I'd have been fixing the damn fence because that would have freaked me out yeah. right away. So, But that was yeah. that was what happened to kind of trigger Megan into going into like killer mode because Megan tries to grab a, you know, toy arrow that falls over there and the dog grabs her. And it's like yeah. trying to drag her arm off and she can't really, she, she, she of course doesn't react. So I don't know if she can actually get purchased to be able to pull away. But then Katie comes in and tries to get the dog off and the dog bites her, which PSA, if two dogs are fighting, you don't want to get your arm in anywhere between where the two, where the dogs are focusing on because they just, they just bite. They just clamp down. It doesn't matter whose arm gets in the way. It also doesn't matter whose dog. If it's like your dog, your dog could very well bite you at that moment. So. Yeah. So, but I wondered, cause there was, there was a flash where you saw Megan's eyes, but it was before the dog bit Katie. And I wondered, yeah. did the dog manage to damage Megan in such a way that mucked with her programming? I thought that was implied. There was definitely a bright flash at one point and you saw something with the eyes, but I thought it was like on the back of the neck and everything. We didn't see any of the damage. We just saw her hair all messed up afterwards. But yeah, I thought that was maybe like, I don't know kind of a nice way to sort of imply that there could have been many things going on with why Megan went crazy, that being one of them. Yeah. And I can't remember if it was before or after that, that it started becoming clear that telling her to shut herself off didn't actually work. Right, right. Or or physically shutting her off didn't seem to work. It seemed like Megan was able to shut her, turn herself back on again as well, no matter what. Yeah. What was that thing exactly was going on with the pen? Like, do you see the point of this pen? Is that just supposed to be like a hypnotic thing that would hold her still long enough to shut her off? Because it didn't work after a while. It didn't either. And I think it was just a distraction. I think look over here while my hand comes up and taps you on the neck and turns you off, that sort of thing. But the the neighbor woman, that was another... um, I think this scene was more gory in the unrated version than in the rated one, but you really didn't see that much for that long. It was when Megan was firing the pressure washer at her face. And I think there there was a trivia on... One of the trivia items on IMDb was somebody talking about the part of the movie that made them the most squeamish. And she referred to it as somebody's face losing a battle with a pressure washer. And you just yeah. kind of see the pressure washer sort of eroding her face down to the to the teeth, basically. So Ooh, you see it down gracious. through layers of muscle and skin and everything. But you really don't see it for very long. Okay. All right. Because that was definitely not in the rated version. You know, I... Had, I knew something was happening because she was hitting her with it. I thought she was hitting her with the poison because she was always talking about the chemicals. And I thought, 
I thought it was just the chemicals that were burning away, but I suppose it could also be just the sheer force of it. But all you saw was her like, it hit her face, she screams, and then you see like the concrete and a drain and blood going down the drain. So you knew something bad was happening, but you didn't know exactly what. Yeah, that was another thing that was pointed out in the trivia that Megan, she may be like an artificial intelligence and capable of learning and obviously has lots of memory and smarts and everything like that. But she's still got a child's grasp of consequences. So all of the stuff that she does to defend Katie, it's not she can't plan for the future. She can't plan for any consequences, you know, with the kid that she rips his ear off and then chases him running on all fours, which was another really creepy image there, chases him in front of a car and he dies. If you'd been thinking about consequences, that ear would have gone thrown down onto the wreckage and he would have been like, oh, his ear got torn off in the crash. But no, the police found it up the hill, way too far away for it to have been thrown. And it's the same thing with the neighbor woman. You know, the dog disappearing. Yeah, that kind of looks bad maybe on Gemma, but there's no real proof. The neighbor woman, like, getting thrashed about and doused with poison and then having a pressure washer eat her face off. That's not an accident. It can't ever be made to look like an accident. I like the fact that, of course... They had had the incident at the school where that bully kid who was just like, oh, he's like over the top bully. He's so awful, uh, which made it very satisfying when he got killed. Yes. And so that incident had happened. He'd gotten killed. The police had shown up and you see them interviewing Gemma and Katie and everything. And so it's like the next day, maybe the day after that, that the police are there to collect the body of the neighbor woman. And there's an investigator and he's talking to Gemma, asking, you know, where were you last night? She was like, I was home. And. You know, he said, like, I I hear from the other police officer that, you know, they already talked to you because of that kid who got killed. She said, oh, he got hit by a car. Do they think there's a connection? And he laughs. He's like, oh, no, it's just, you know, he was definitely hit by a car. But we found his ear up the hill. So we were pretty sure that's a murder. Sorry, I shouldn't have laughed. And I was like, oh, that was a nice time. It was a very nice. The acting in this movie was top notch, I thought. Yeah. I mean, Okay, now, one of the ways that they went silly that actually worked was when Megan broke out of the lab where they were trying to keep her prisoner, and she starts going on a killing spree, and she sees David, the boss, and he spots her down the hallway, and I think his first idea is relief, because he couldn't find her, and the presentation was starting, but she stares at him, and then she starts dancing, and I think that could have gone cringy so fast, but you're just looking at her going, oh, this is so entertainingly weird, and she just does this wonderful, like, all thrashing up into arms in the air, and twisting herself about, and the last last movement she does is to grab the um the blade from a paper cutter and then freeze and stare at him and david's like oh shit and then he starts running <laughs> <laughs> apparently that's one of the other scenes that's different between the rated and the unrated is that uh, it's definitely a gory scene in the elevator when she catches up to him and stabs him clear through and you've got that flunky who had been stealing stuff and whatever i guess in the unrated version you see all the gore and the flunky on the ground gets splattered with all the gore. There's a bit of gore in the rated version that I saw, but it's not that bad. So they definitely toned it down a lot for that one. Yeah, it was another thing that pointed to the Megan not being able to plan for consequences or to try to hide what she's been doing because she there was a lot of blood everywhere. And yet she still tried to play it up as, oh, you stabbed him somehow through the back and got himself yeah. spattered and then sliced his throat. They... 
something in one of the trivia said that she cut his wrist, but I didn't get that at all. I got that he cut yeah. she cut his throat. Yeah, I assumed that she grabbed his hands in order to put his hands on the blade and stab himself through the throat. That's how it looked on mine. Oh, she was, I mean, she was she was definitely grabbing his hands, but I thought she was putting his hands around the blade so that it would look like he had killed himself. Oh no, because there was that you know her line telling him everything about how this was all going to play out with the police about how he was so frustrated and he just started stealing just to see if he could but then David confronted him and things got out of control my question is and she's like putting the blade up and towards his face could you live with yourself and he's like yes yes absolutely could and then she like swipes and cuts his throat like that so I don't think there was ever any her hands on his hands or anything like that oh that may be the difference between the rated and unrated I'm almost positive I saw that okay because you don't see the blow land you just see her hand pushing the knife forward so yeah yeah oh interesting yeah yep. you definitely see some blood spurting but but that's the kind mm-hmm. of gore i'm i'm perfectly fine with i mean unless yeah. it's like buckets of blood then it's a little overwhelming but it's just like oh a little bit of like extra effects work with like some fake blood or whatever like that i'm perfectly okay with that i always say that i'm fine with blood it's just when you get into like (laughs) viscera then i'm just like (laughs) Uh, you know punctured eyeballs and intestines and stuff like that i'm like no 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 do not like it it's it's not that the deaths that happen that bothers me it's how long the deaths take like if you like are chopping somebody up and they're feeling it and they know what's happening no i can't do that however another bit talking about how this is so entertainingly weird it's one of the times during their fight in the living room and she's definitely damaged megan but she hasn't taken her out completely and she's charging forward but she's so glitchy i'm like her arms and legs are doing crazy things her head is tilting the side i'm like more of this i love the crazy killer robots i'm like So I did see that there is plans to have a Megan 2 movie, and I think it's supposed to come out in 2025. And they, of course, left that wide open in the ending with, and I was waiting for like Megan to come crawling out because they lingered on that shot inside the house after Gemma and Katie had walked out the door. And I'm like, oh, I'm waiting for some to jump, waiting for some to jump. And then you see her little like house robot, whatever, that, you know, she's programmed to answer her questions or control lights or something like that, it turns on and turns its light towards the viewer. And that's the end. And I thought, ah, yep. yes, that's perfect. I like that. Yeah. But yep. um, also the fact that, you know, her boss's assistant was stealing stuff. That's something they pointed out in the trivia that he was obviously stealing information about Megan. So all these other companies have probably already started work on making Megan prototypes. Yes. I love it. It's not just Megan 2. It's going to be Megan 2.0. I'm like, well, very clever. Very clever. I'm sure there are some producers that are chomping at the bit to make Megan 3 so that they could really use that 3 that replaces the E in her name. Oh, Yes, yes, yeah. No, you're absolutely right. Graphic design-wise, perfect. Absolutely. No notes. <laughs> Only other thing I remembered is when I looked at the um, the acting credits for the actress who played Gemma, I did not see Get Out, or I didn't register that that was there. So I'm just mm. like telling Elizabeth before we start recording, hang on, I wanted to look through here because I think this actress reminds me of somebody who was in Get Out. It was just like, ah, oh, she's the actress who played the, um, uh, the, the what is it, the Honeypot character? The Honeypot. Uh, the Honeypot, that's right. Ooh, yes. yes. <laughs> <laughs> she, looks, she looks a lot younger here than she did in that, and that was I, several years so, ago. Yeah, I thought so too. I just, I was like... 
Oh, that's what I wanted to look up. We were starting to look this up beforehand, and Catherine's just like, you know, this would make a great conversation to have on the podcast. I'm like, yes, doing that. What the hell was the name of the movie that is really depressing that I saw the one time, and it's all three people doing terrible things, and it ends. It's not as depressing as Dancer in the Dark, but it's still very depressing. Requiem for a Dream. Thank you. One minute. And Nathan would argue with you, he thinks that... uh, Requiem for a Dream is more depressing than Dancer in the Dark. Because oh, really? Dancer, I've never seen Dancer in the Dark. Well, so. Dancer in the Dark, there's a measure of triumph from the main character, even though it all goes very, very badly for her. But she accomplishes what she had been trying to do. Requiem for ah. a Dream, it's all people who threw their lives away for no reason. Yeah. Okay, so that's what I was doing. I was thinking like that the woman in Get Out looked very much like the woman in Requiem for a Dream. But that is Jennifer Connelly. And I know Jennifer Connelly from having seen most of the first season of Snowpiercer. And she does a very good job. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Yeah. I just saw her from Labyrinth. Oh, I didn't even make the connection. (laughs) (laughs) Dang it. I'm so bad at movies. This is why I do terribly on Actor Lay. Are any of our listeners playing Actor Lay? That game is so freaking frustrating sometimes. It really is, especially since they will just randomly leave some acting credits off the list of movies. I mean, I know when you've got actors that have like 130 acting credits, they can't put on anything. But for crying out loud, they had Jeremy Irons, and they did not include High Rise on the list of possible movies movies. And I might have gotten that. Maybe. Yeah, but you're a big old Tom Hiddleston fan. There's a lot of people have never even heard of High Rise. Yeah, that's true. It didn't do very well. Nah, it's fine. It was really weird. (laughs) But I guess that's going to wrap us up for the week. So make sure to check out PixelatedGeek.com for all the book reviews, the movie reviews, the comic book reviews, the photo galleries. No, I haven't finished editing that video from San Diego Comic-Con. I just haven't gotten around to it. I mean, sure, I have been catching up on some things. What have I been catching up on? The Detectorists on Amazon Prime, which is just such a very pleasant show. And all the stakes are so low. And it's just (laughs) non-offensive and pretty. Mom, I think, would like the show. I think Dad might even like the show. Accents might be a little tough at times. But um, yeah, if you haven't watched that one, it's a bunch of people in a small town in the UK, and they like metal detecting, and it's about their lives and everything. And that's what I've been doing instead of editing the video like I'm supposed to. Honestly, I don't know how I've managed to live this long, and I've never gotten myself a metal detector, because that just seems like, ooh, wandering through a field and finding bits of metal that have been left there by God knows who, God knows how long ago? Sign me up for that. I have had too many people in my life hear me say that and call me like a giant nerd or say, (laughs) don't you embarrass me like that or whatever. So I guess there's this idea that that's just a terrible thing to want to do. But I'm just like, I'm with you. I want to get a metal detector at some point. Just walk around the beach and just get can tabs and bottle caps and stuff. I'd be fine. Yeah. Well, hey, we were just talking about the fact that we have finally gotten to the point where counting down to retirement is actually a thing. So perhaps that can be when we retire. It's like, that's what retirees do, don't they? They go down to Florida. And they have a metal detector on the beach. Damn straight. And then we just, yeah, maybe that's why everybody thought it was so silly because I've been wanting to do that since I was in my 20s. They're like, what, what, what old people do? <laughs> Shut up. Whatever. <laughs> anyway, all that and more at pixelatedgeek.com. So next week we will definitely have some night video. Uh-huh. We are really trying very hard to not fast pass that last Laura Olympus, uh, but it, we may not make it that long. I don't know. Maybe we can throw in a few more fan art posts or something. Yeah. I've been rewatching Arcane, yes, again. And I did have this idea that we needed to have an episode about 
animated properties and like the really big ones and the ones that have been very formative for us and the ones that have had such a huge effect on the zeitgeist. And I think we could like have a good conversation about that. Yeah, we might. We might. Either that or, I mean, we don't want to wait another 30 episodes, I suppose, but we still don't know what we're going to be doing for episode 400. (laughs) (laughs) It's too far away to worry about it. Never mind. Anyway. We don't have plans for like two episodes from now. Why would we be planning for 30 episodes from now? God knows. But one way or the other, we will talk to everybody in one week. Talk to y'all later. Talk to y'all later.